We are in Lent. We're doing, as you know, a Lenten homily series. This year's work is discipleship, both for purposes here at St. Francis and what we're planning to do across our diocese with our long-range strategic planning process. For the five previous homilies in this series, you can simply go to our YouTube page. Uh, Those who are viewing us on live stream, you're already on that page. Um, It's St. Francis de Sales, Newark, Ohio. Watch the homilies, then um, share the links uh, with as many people as you know, particularly those who are no longer attending church on a regular basis, to help them to grow in a fuller understanding and appreciation of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So along those lines, the title for today's homily is, Is Church Necessary to Be a Disciple of Jesus Christ? And before I ever get into this, you might be thinking, you know, Father Dave, you're, you're preaching to the, the choir, right? We're all here at church on Sunday. Yes, excellent, wonderful. Thank you. And including those who are joining us on live stream. But this homily is not really about that. Well, actually, the last point is, and I'll get to that. But what it's more about is that is being a member, an active, engaged, involved member of a Christian community necessary in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Which, of course, then includes spending one hour of worshiping our Lord in a community and receiving him in the Eucharist. That said, let me begin with an illustration. Based upon so many of the images that God gives us from the scriptures, such as the vineyard, John 15, the sheepfold, John 10, the temple, 1 Corinthians 3, a holy nation, 1 Peter 2, and really the list goes on from there. The illustration I'm going to offer is the difference between a bouquet of roses and a rose bush. In a bouquet of roses, each rose has the same life. They are part of the same species of roses, but they are not vitally connected. So they don't grow together. Furthermore, cut from the rose bush, there is nothing to sustain them over the long haul. They eventually wither and die. Compare the bouquet of roses to a rose bush. In a rose bush, the roses are one organic whole. However, each rose possesses, retains its own individuality, but none are individualistic. All are dependent upon one another. And all of the roses grow together for they share the same root the same source. The bush passes through seasons, but it does not die. It endures through good times and bad, summers and winters, droughts and floods. Furthermore, while an individual rose cannot grow new additional roses, all the roses together as a rose bush can multiply and continue to grow more and more roses throughout the years. Guess which image, the bouquet of roses or the rose bush, matches with Christ's teachings from the Bible regarding 
discipleship. The bush, the rose bush. So, there are so-called Christians today, they would call themselves Christians, who say they believe in Christ and the necessity of Christ, but they don't believe in the church and the necessity of the church. They are, we've heard this, spiritual as individuals or maybe even as a family. So they raise themselves up and their family up as an individual rose or a bouquet of roses, but they are not religious. So they choose not to attach themselves or their loved ones to a church community. The church, for them, is made up of a bunch of sinners and hypocrites. Did you all know that you were that, right? Right. And that's precisely why we're in a church, right? Because we're sinners in need of a Savior. Or any number of other excuses that they throw up. Thus, they don't want to be a member of a church. Going to church, again, you've heard these things, church is boring, They feel that they're not being fed spiritually or they're simply too busy or too lazy. And the list of objections continues for being an individual rose or as a family, a bouquet of roses, but not a rose attached to a rose bush. In today's gospel reading from John 3, Jesus is in a dialogue with Nicodemus. Jesus tells him that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert for God to heal his people, so will the Son of Man be lifted up in order to heal us for eternal life. In both situations, God heals his people, not just an individual. When as a people, they trust in his ways and they follow his ways. And in fact, we see that in a particular way in Moses' life, right? So when he follows the instructions to lift this bronze serpent up on a pole, which, by the way, is in the form of a cross, so the people have been bitten. They've been, it's a pre-shadowing, a foreshadowing of being bitten by sin. It's, it's the poison that kills us. And God says through Moses, just have the people look at this. And they'll be healed. Some don't buy this. And they don't do what the rest of the people of God do. And they die. But others that act in communion with one another. All of them. The entire rest of the nation of Israel. Survives. In fact. When we're looking at the entirety of the Bible. From beginning to end. It's not about the individual following God alone. Yes. We have to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, and that needs to be part of every day of our lives, but not alone. We all work together as a community following God, and the scriptures show this. So let me give you some examples. From the beginning, God made us male and female because he knew that it was not good for us to be alone. Then God called Abraham, who was once alone and barren, to form a family of God. God called Moses, not to rescue a few individuals out of Egypt, but an entire people, and lead them into the promised land together. 
God formed a nation, a kingdom of God under King David, and then grew this kingdom under Solomon. The examples multiply from there as you go through the Old Testament and into the New Testament until the very last scene of the very last paragraph of the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, where Jesus, the bridegroom, descends from heaven to consummate his relationship. Not with an individual Christian, but with his bride, who he calls the church. People give a lot of reasons why they don't go to church. I've already mentioned some. According to a Pew study recently, the top three reasons are these. I practice my faith in other ways. Number two, dislike for a congregation or religious services in general. And then number three, I haven't found a church or a house of worship I like. These three reasons have one thing in common. They all have to do with personal preference and personal feelings about the church. While we all know people who prefer to skip church, and sometimes this may be your preference, the real question is not what you want, but what God wants, right? Because is church about you? Or is it about God? According to Jesus in the Bible, being a part of the church is not an option, but essential. And here are some reasons rooted in the scriptures why people who want sincerely to be disciples of Jesus Christ need to be attached to the church, just as an individual rose needs to be attached to a rose bush. So what I'm going to do is take you through these. I'll name it, the reason. I'll immediately give you the scripture passage. And then I'll give you a brief explanation. Whoever, so isolation is the first one. Isolation. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Proverbs 18.1. In fact, the majority of these are taken just from one book. Proverbs. The, the Bible is filled with it. I'll give you some other um, Bible passages too. Satan would love nothing more than to keep you in isolation. This is where he will deceive you by telling you things like, you're not good enough to go to church. You're a sinner. Or you're probably not even a Christian anymore. Or you're just going to keep struggling with these sins. So why even show up? Or, here's one, you're better than those people who go to church. You do not need them. Don't believe his lies or your own lies. And please rescue your family and friends from these lies. Telling yourself things are easier without a community. You need relationships. We know this in this human life in general. It's also church life, Christian life. You were made for relationship. Number two, heaven is a community. It's not just you and God. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That phrase, the day, in the Hebrew um, Jewish context, is, is heaven, is, is coming into heaven. And this is taken, in fact, from Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. So we say that we want to go to heaven, but then some of us say, but I don't want to go to church. Well, guess what? Heaven is a community where everyone is attached to one another through God, in the presence of God. So how can a person say he or she wants to be in heaven forever within a community when they don't want to live that way now? How does that make sense? In fact, how we live now determines how we will live forever in eternity, either in heaven, in a community, or in hell, in total isolation. Thus, being attached to a community now, albeit an imperfect community, because every church community is imperfect because it's made up of imperfect persons, including myself, being attached to a community now is the training ground and the, the to determining ground for where we will live for all of eternity. Number three, living out your purpose in community. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. 1 Corinthians 12, 14. The church is made up of many members. Just look around, right? But then globalize that and then take it across the centuries. But it's not made up of just one member. God hasn't called you to follow him on your own, but rather has given you a purpose and you are to live out that purpose, discover it and live it out within the community of believers. Here's how. Just follow this as an example. If you are part of one body, which St. Paul is talking about here in his letter to 1 Corinthians, that, 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 that we are the body of Christ, with Christ as the head. So if you're part of a body, and let's say that you are the right arm. You can't just float around out there on your own. That's ridiculous. But you need to be part of the larger body so that the right arm can work the way it's supposed to work with all of the other members of the body. If you're not in community in the church, you're missing out on the purposes that God has for you. How can the right arm follow Christ on its own, let alone fulfill the individual purpose that Christ gives to him or her without being attached to Christ, the head, through the body, the church? Again, as I go through these, remember, I'm just not talking about, and certainly the scripture's not talking about here, that membership is limited to one hour coming to Mass. It's, this is the epicenter by which it rivets out to all parts of our lives. And we need all those other ways that we attach to the body throughout the week. Number four, go to church to be sharpened 
and to sharpen others. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharps, sharpens another. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Without other believers, you will grow dull in the faith. And the irony, of course, is the more you grow dull in the faith, the more you accuse the community of being dull, boring. Likewise, other believers need you to sharpen them. They sharpen you, you sharpen them. Number five, go to church to be used by God. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. This passage in a larger context speaks of spiritual gifts and calls them manifestations of the Spirit. God doesn't give us gifts to serve ourselves and our own little group of people that are attached to us. That's what we call selfishness. The gifts are given to serve others and to glorify God. That's how we make disciples. Both, which of, both of them, serving others and glorifying God in Jesus Christ, is what gets us into heaven. Take what God has given us, given you, and use it for the good of all. In the community of believers, you can properly discern the gifts that God has given to you, and then additionally, develop and mature and exercise these gifts, not only for your glory, but for the common good of humanity and to glorify God. Number six, go to church to partner in the gospel. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, Philippians 1.5, so, question, show of hands. Do you believe the world needs the gospel of Jesus Christ now more than ever? Absolutely. Okay, here's a fact then. You can't reach the world on your own. If, you, if we want to reach the world for Christ, we need to partner with the church Christ created and is universal and global to preach the gospel in order to make disciples in the world. Starting right here, in this church, those who are on live stream, and then all of Newark and beyond, right? Number seven, go to church to train up your children. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. There are many reasons why God wants his disciples to be uh, in a community of believers and to go to church together. Here's another important one. To neglect church is to neglect training your children in the way that they should go. Should go according to the commands of Jesus Christ. When you train them up on your own, what are you training them in? Or when you train or you, when you don't train them up and lead them on their own, what are you training them in? Your or their own version of Christian faith? With all of your own personal wounds attached, fears, 
aversions, opinions, preferences, desires, lies you tell yourself and lies the world has told you and you have come to believe? Or are you training them in the word of God? Through 2,000 years of collective wisdom and living out that word of God. Through the community of believers and apostolic tradition and guided by the Holy Spirit. Which training is more likely to land them in heaven? Number eight, go to church to bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 2. How can the members of the body of Christ help you bear your burdens if you don't know them, don't trust them, and are not in community with them? Plus, you are called to help bear the burdens of other members of the body of Christ precisely because it is so necessary for the church to be healthy and present in a world that is sick. And if we're sick with them, how are we ever going to help the world? Well, how can, we, how, how can we constantly complain about the church family being dysfunctional when we do nothing to help carry the burden of its members, its leaders, and its followers. We need the church, and the church needs us in our mutual walk as disciples. Number nine, go to church to baptize and fulfill the great commission, the great mission Christ gave to us. What is that great mission? Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. All that I have commanded you. When we break from the church, then we start choosing what we are going to listen to that God has commanded us based upon things like Preferences, wounds, fears, selfishness, pride, ego, blah, blah, blah. None of that stuff is from God. And none of that stuff is going to help us live out all that God has commanded us. So, how exactly, tell me this, how exactly can an individual Christian out there on their own, calling themselves Christian, not attached to a community, fulfill the greatest mission Jesus gave to us alone? How does that work? Say that you then lead someone to Christ and you baptize them. Or you're a family and you you come to the church to have your child baptized and then off you go. Never to be seen again until first communion and never to be seen again until confirmation and so on. Then what? You send them off on their own? Because you don't really need other believers in your life, so why would they? No, the entire work of making disciples is done with relationship in mind. As the church, we baptize new believers. Then we teach them and shape and form them in virtue and holiness and nourish them over the years in a community. They become part of a family and then they're sent out, not alone, but with others with the community to make disciples of the world around them. 
The gospel they live and proclaim is not their own gospel, but Jesus' gospel. Proclaimed through his body, the church. And then finally, number 10, this is where we actually get to Sunday morning and worshiping together at Mass. And of course, making that the priority. But not the only one. Go to church to eat the body and drink the blood of Christ. Jesus' words. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take it, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Take it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Matthew 26, 26 through 28. Um, tell me this, please. Where can the person who has decided that he or she does not need the church in order to be a disciple go to eat the body of Christ and drink his blood so that they may have life within them. Not just human life, their life. Divine life. They can only commune with God the way Christ commanded, do this in memory of me, make me present, make me here, in Holy Communion. By attending Mass every Sunday, because we are Judeo-Christians, we follow Christ, we follow the Sabbath, the Sunday is the new Sabbath, we know this from the Ten Commandments. Honor the Sabbath. And then being a Christian in good standing with God and His church. Not just in good standing with God as you see it, but in good standing with His church also. Because when we're not, we can't even receive Holy Communion. So, is the church necessary for discipleship? Absolutely, yes. And this is not my truth. This is the truth of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, from the Bible, His word of truth. We need God. We need Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. And we need one another. We need Christ and His church. If we're going to authentically and effectively live out the purpose for which God put us in this world, both as individuals and as a community, called the church. Everything in the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, points to this truth. All the letters of the New Testament are written to the church and its leaders for the church's mission, not to the individual for their discipleship walk separate from the church. To become the Christians that Christ created us to become and do the work he gives us, we need his church to feed us with Jesus' body and blood, to fulfill his great commission and great command, to bear one another's burdens and the burdens of the world, save others from isolation and the lies that dwell within it, to train up our children, partner together in proclaiming the gospel of Christ and make disciples of other people, to sharpen and be sharpened by each other's holiness and virtue, and to help one another prepare for the life of heaven. 
where we will all be in community with each other for all eternity. But we will never know that community in heaven for all of eternity if we're not willing to live it here and now. These are just a few of the many, many reasons we should all decide to become active, engaged, involved disciples of Jesus Christ, not just passive Sunday pew-sitters. As disciples, these reasons then also spur us into action as we reach out to our many family and friends who are no longer active members of a faith community. And as we learned just last week with the deacons' homily, to spiritually accompany them back into a walk with Christ through our church community, starting with us and friendship with them, and then them becoming us. On this point, then, I'd like to encourage you, when you go home or those who are on live stream right now, at the end of this Mass, go to our parish YouTube channel, St. Francis de Sales, Newark, Ohio, and share the link of this Mass and homily with as many people as you know who are no longer actively involved with the church community. Do you love them? These people that you're thinking of right now, do you love them? Then love their souls. Don't not send these to them simply because you're afraid of what they will say or their reactions. Is that how little you love them? That you're afraid that you might offend them with the truth that sets them free? These 10 reasons also underpin why we are now a parish that is very intentional about becoming a discipleship parish. So that all who then decide for a life of being an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ here at St. Francis Church, when they enter into those doors, when the Holy Spirit brings them, inspires them, then they know that they're not alone. But they have a community of believers and a community filled with many, many opportunities to come to know God, love God, and serve God in this world, and be happy with Him, and the community of saints, and the life of heaven. For isn't this why we are in this world? To know God, love God, and serve God, and bring as many people along with us into the happiness of eternity and community with God and all who dwell with inside of him. Why else are you in this world? 